Hey, podcast listener, are you a hacker, techie, nerd, investor, founder, or ever wanted to get into this world? Join TechCrunch for its annual Disrupt Conference in San Francisco, featuring the luminaries who aren't only making the rules in technology, but changing the game. Get a first look at startups disrupting machine learning, mobility, healthcare, robotics, and more, and hear from the world's leading investors and innovators. Visit TechCrunch.com and use promo code SPREAKER. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R for an exclusive discount. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 263. Build It, the Rebel Playbook for Employee Engagement. So today we're going to be talking about tips, tools and real life stories taken from our guest book to help you learn how to be an engagement rebel and stand out as a great place to work. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant also working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there's a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private, and third sectors. To join our newsletter list, go to engageforsuccess.org forward slash newsletter, and come and join us on our various social media profiles. The links are at the bottom of the homepage, or just find us via a Google search. So my guest today is Deborah Corey, two-time author, speaker, and HR leader, and Global Head of Reward at Reward Gateway. So welcome, Deborah. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Joe. On, what would you say, 263 episodes? That's fantastic. Yep. Well <laughs> yeah, done. Every time I read that, I, I think, oh, that's a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got a lot, of, a lot of shows to look back on. So, uh, yeah, so thanks for, for joining in. And we're, we're actually booked up until about May or June next year, so uh, we're not going away anytime soon. <laughs> Fantastic. I've listened to quite a few, but it sounds like I've got a couple I have to catch up on then. (laughs) So start by telling us a a bit about who you are and and what you do. So I am an HR practitioner. I've been doing HR for um, over 20 years, quite a while. I've worked in a, a variety of companies. You can probably tell by my accent that I am American. So I started my career working for some organizations in the U.S., uh, I was transferred over to the UK working for Gap, and since then I've worked for companies such as Honeywell, Quintiles, Merlin Entertainment, and now I'm working at Reward Gateway. Um, and as you said before, I also um, I've written two books. It was on my bucket list to write one, and I just wrote another one. I loved it so much. <laughs> well, I haven't written any yet, so uh, I'm, I'm in awe. You've got time. So tell us about what inspired you to write this book then, particularly as it's uh, clearly not just the first one. (laughs) Well, my first book I wrote on communications, which is a a passion of mine. And then when I joined Reward Gateway, the um, then CEO, he's the founder of the organization, Glenn Elliott, um, he was going to write a book on employee engagement and he asked me if I could write it with him. And it's really, it's really a great partnership because he comes from the business world. He's an entrepreneur. He works with clients. Whereas me, I've lived and breathed being an HR practitioner. So we have very different perspectives. And we brought that into the book. It was really his idea. He came up with the model, which we'll talk about later, called the engagement bridge. Um, and then when I joined, we sort of added to it a little bit. 
But the whole idea of the book was really to start changing how we do employee engagement. I, I know on your other calls, you guys cover a lot of those horrible statistics that we have as far as, you know, 15% of people are engaged in the world. And, and this book really is to start changing that. We, um, we want to create what we call the revolution by creating rebels. <laughs> um, and that's our number one objective to the book is, is creating more rebels in the world. Ah, lovely. So start by telling us how you define employee engagement, and then we'll talk a bit about the, the, the rebel concept. You know, it's a really great question. I, I went to a, a conference last week in America on employee engagement, and I, I, I counted the different definitions that people have. <laughs> um, our definition in the book is, is, is slightly different in that we define someone who's engaged um, in three ways. First of all, they understand and believe in the direction of the company, so they understand the purpose and the mission and the values. But then the second part is they understand it personally, because it's all well and good to know your company is doing A, B, and C, but you need to know where you fit in, so that's really important. And then finally, they genuinely want their company to succeed, and that's really where the passion and the energy and the innovation comes from. So that's how, that's how we define it. I really like that. I mean, that fits nicely with our uh, four neighbours around the um, uh, strategic narrative. I, I guess that the bit I particularly like in there is the bit about genuinely wanting their company to succeed, because I guess we could actually get people to understand the direction of the company and, and understand how it impacts them. But actually, without that bit about them wanting it to, to go well, uh, you know, you could be sort of sort of quite lacking there. So I really like that that addition to it. Well, I was just going to say, you know, a lot of times people talk about you need to um, be happy at work. And I think that's really where it starts to be a bit different, because um, if you really want the company to succeed and you're putting your heart and your soul into it, there could be days. Let's be real. We're all human when you're actually not happy. <laughs> you know, you've got mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. You've got a lot of challenge. And the only thing that's going to keep you going and keeping you engaged is that commitment you know, you're doing it for the company. I've been, I've been on this world tour speaking about the book and, you know, it's exhausting, but I absolutely love it because as I said, I'm on this mission. We're on this mission to change engagement and create more rebels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the, the rebel concept then. Why, why do you think we need to be rebels when it comes to employee engagement? Well, you know, the numbers just start changing. It doesn't matter which survey you look at. If they're changing, they're changing ever so slightly. I think Gallup is saying it's changing at most 1% a year. So, you know, 15% of people in the world, you just it's just not going to make the difference. And the business world is just moving so quickly that if companies don't start having engaged people, they're never going to be able to, to keep up. So the whole idea of being a rebel is challenging the status quo, doing things differently. And um, I have to say, by writing the book and interviewing people, it's pushed me as an HR person, you know, because I'm not a natural rebel. I've, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've got a lot of traditional HR running through my veins. Um, but I'm loving the idea of pushing myself. It's a bit uncomfortable. I think we lost you there. Are you still there? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, I've done it again. I don't know if it's your microphone or, or your internet. I've you gone very quiet. <laughs> I think... Oh, I don't know if it's at your end or my end. I can't hear you at the moment. 
I can hear you. I'm oh, talking. I can hear you again now. You're back. You're you back. can. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. I did. I did kick. I kicked everyone out of my house. All my kids are banned from the house, so they're not using up the Wi-Fi. So I do apologize. That, that's not very nice of me. <laughs> I, did, I did send them to the pub though, so they're okay. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. They'll be fine. Then. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, lo- I love the concept of the of the rebel. As, as you say, the the you know as a as a former uh, HR person myself, there there is a lot of sort of rules and regulations and policies and goodness knows what else that we've sort of injected <laughs> in lots of ways um, that that get in the way sometimes with these things. And uh, it's interesting. Our um, our former uh, executive director Kathy Brown always describes herself as a rebel, and I think uh, she's always been secretly relieved that she didn't come from an HR background because it gave her that chance to to not have to you know balance the two I suppose so uh so yeah I can I can say I think you know the the concept of doing things differently and and perhaps you know in in an unusual way uh it can be really you know really useful from an HR perspective so tell us a bit about the model then you talked about it being called the engagement bridge what what's what that what's that all about so the, it's a 10-part ten, ten model, 10 elements. Um, and, and I have to say, to be honest with you, there's lots of different models and lots of different approaches. Um, and to me, it's not necessarily the model. It's what you do with it. So um, the 10 elements are open and honest communication, purpose, mission, and values, leadership, management. have to remember them all. I'm picturing it in my mind. Um, <laughs> job design, learning recognition. And then the, the three elements on the bottom of the bridge, if you picture a bridge, bridge you've got all of the, um, the elements that, that are the construction of the bridge. And then the supporting elements are pay and benefits, well-being, and workspace. And it's not that those three aren't as, port, as important. It's just I think companies have spent too much time focusing on them, thinking they were going to hold up the engagement bridge all on its own. And what mm-hmm. we're saying is you need to focus on the other elements um, just as much and not just rely on, you know, the foosball tables and the free gym memberships and paying people a lot of money. Um, but mm. in a nutshell, that, that is the bridge. But again, in the book, what we try to do is we don't spend as much time saying this is what recognition is. It's more about, okay, let's figure out how we can do recognition in a more engaging way. What are some of the behaviors? What are some of the actions? And then the other half of the book are what we call plays, um, which are stories about what different rebels of different sizes and shapes, we call them, are doing mm-hmm. in the real world. And there's 60, 60 stories, um, and we've got another 40 on our book's website so far, but I'm interviewing people every single week, so it's growing. So the plays are, are sort of uh, examples of how people are, are putting these things into action in real life. Is is that how they exactly. speak? Exactly. So it's it's quite simple. I ask everybody the same three questions. So why did you decide that you wanted to challenge the status quo and do things differently? What did you do? And what was the what was the impact of it? And what tips do you have for people? Um, mm. And we've gotten some really positive feedback um, for the entire book. People are loving the plays and also just some of the, the behaviors and actions because I don't know about you. Sometimes I finish reading a book and I think, okay, that's great. Now what do I do? So um, Glenn and I were very structured. It's like half of the book are plays and half of the book are the the theory and the rebel behaviors because we really wanted Mm -hmm. people to end the book and say, yes, yes, 
I can start being a rebel. I can put my cape on and start doing things. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's look at some of the the elements and actually sort of talk through some of of what what they mean and also some of the examples that that you've got some of the plays from there. So where where would you like to go? There's ten. We can't do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, I'd like to start. Yeah. Let's start with open and honest communications. And um, in the book we say that there's you build your own bridge. There's no starting point. However, I do always say that open and honest communication needs to run through every element of the bridge because I don't know about you, but you know you can create some of the best HR programs, but if you don't communicate it effectively, which is what my first mm. book was on. Or in this book, we talk about doing it in an open and honest way. You're never going to get the trust of your employees, and you're never going to get the engagement. And it's just so critical. And in the nicest way, I just don't think we do a good job of it in HR. We, you know, we Mm. have everybody, you know, give us all these, you know, like the legal people say you can't say this, and then the business leaders say you can't say this. And we're so stifled by what people tell us we can't say that we really don't, I say, I describe it as putting everything on the transparency table and just saying, why can't your employees know things? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's even as simple as not remembering to tell people about things that have happened within the organization yeah. that are positive. I, I interviewed um, Katie uh, Downs from Network Rail last year sometime. We were talking about uh, their um employee voice sort of program there you said we did things that they implemented and she she was saying that some of the issues we used to do things and we wouldn't even tell the person who would brought it up as an issue never mind the rest of the organization and just by putting something in where they communicated those sorts of things they had an immediate impact and I I remember I met people locally who work for that organization and they were telling me how positive that small change had been because they felt it exactly as she'd said which is that you know, we don't remember to tell people stuff. Never mind doing it in the right way and and doing it ten different ways and all that sort of stuff. We often don't even remember to <laughs> communicate things, do we? No, and it's interesting. I had a question the um the other week when I was doing a workshop and and I asked people why don't we do it and and someone said we just don't have the time and I challenged them and I said how much time do you spend on it after the fact? So if something happens in your business and you don't take the time to communicate it, how many repercussions do you have because of that? And how Mm -hmm. much time do you have to go back and explain it? So, you know, I I do know that it takes time to do these things um, and it takes effort, but it, it, it is much more effective and more engaging to do that. And if you want any kind of relationship, it has to be built on trust and you can only get that by communicating. So, yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Mm-hmm. So, have you got some examples of the plays from that section that that come to mind, or am I just putting you on the spot? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I know. I've got a hundred of them in my brain, so I don't always remember all of them. Um, there's a couple that I, I, well, I love all of them in the book. They're like my children, you know. They're all important to me. Um, one of them, I think, is a really good example of communicating not just when things are good, but when they're bad, because a lot of times. You know, with with the best will in the world, we want to protect our employees, you know, from the bad news. And there's a a play in the book from a company in Australia, GM Holden, um, car manufacturer, Mm -hmm. and they were closing their plant, which, you know, I've been in situations where I've closed plants, I've moved people. And normally we wait until closer to the when the move happens. Um, But they found out four years before they were going to close, and they told people four years before, which I think is very brave and very rebellious. And um, the good thing is it has a happy ending. I, I, I 
joke and say that it's going to be made into a movie someday because it's such a lovely story. They all rallied around the idea of making their last car their best car, and they were all proud to, to do that together. And the company did a brilliant job of communicating openly and honestly and, and all the other areas of engagement bridge as well. And they had fantastic mm-hmm. KPIs. You know, nothing slipped. You know, no safety issues, um, productivity increased, engagement increased. So it's just, I think it's a really nice example of don't be afraid to to share bad news um, along with good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then that sort of concept, well, there's, there's loads of turmoil, isn't there, at the moment in the news about um, businesses, particularly retail, and how businesses are disappearing and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and it, it all seems very sudden and, and not communicated. So to hear stories of, of organisations that have kept people informed all the way along. Um, it's just so positive. I was, re- I was reading something today and it just about the House of Fraser stuff and, and the unions were saying whatever. And I was just thinking how um, it, there never seems to be any sort of honesty. Nobody seems to acknowledge yeah. that retail is going through a difficult time and therefore there are going to be issues. It's more about, yeah. um, oh, how terrible for everybody. And it's like, well, you know, there's reasons for this and, and people seem yeah. to forget that. And if you keep people in the loop throughout the process, I mean, I spent many years in retail. I think 15 of my career was in retail. And if you keep people in the loop so they understand how the business is run, also mm. they can help you because, you know, they can they can keep an eye out. You know, if you know the business is struggling, they're the ones who mm. are on the floor. They're the ones who can come up with ideas. You know, simple yeah. things like I remember I was in one retailer and someone said, we're spending all this money on paper cups. Why don't we get rid of paper cups? You know, and it seems so obvious, but if you're not on the ground, you're not thinking it. So they're the ones who are going to help our businesses um, survive, and also they're going to ones who are going to help us innovate and, and move to the next level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. I don't think in retail as well, people are so close to the customer, they're so close to the yeah. business that um, actually not listening to them, you know, is, is a, a travesty, really. So okay, so exactly. that's uh, on open and honest communication. What's um. One down. What about another element? <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. We're definitely not going to get through many at this rate. Uh, no, no, no. That's right. Um, People will have to read the book, won't they, Deborah? <laughs> they will. Well, the good news is the um, first two chapters are for free. Um, on the oh. website because we're so committed to uh, to getting people to, to be rebels. We wanted to give those two chapters for free. The other thing I, I should mention also is all the money is going to, to charity. We've um, set up a foundation which supports our company mission of making the world a better place to work. So I'm really, I'm really proud about that because we have so many people contributing to the book anyway. Um, mm-hmm. We thought this would be the best thing to do. But um, why, don't we, why don't we do leadership and management? That's an interesting mm-hmm. one. Um, yep. And the reason we have those two next to each other on the bridge is because leadership is what you say and management is what you do. And they're so intertwined. I mean, I'm sure we've all worked for leaders or managers who are not living the values or they come up with policies and procedures that aren't in line with the values. And you just think you're saying one thing, you're doing another thing. This, this is not, this doesn't make sense and it's not engaging at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talk about that in our four neighbors around the, organizational integrity you know having that say do gap and it's it's so common isn't that it is i was writing a blog the other day and um i was looking at um values and i think integrity was like the number one value um that companies have and it's like first of all what does it mean you know it has absolutely you know it's one word but what does that mean in your company how does that translate into behaviors and then also what are you doing you know you look at some of these management practices and, and 
I mean, I've written them many myself, and I'm thinking, who did I write these for? I wrote them for people I don't trust. Yeah. It's like, you know, why do why do we do these things? So every time we write a, a new policy now at my company, we, we try we put our rebel hat on and we're like, Okay, let's let's write this for the ninety nine percent of people who are going you know, that are going to follow the policy and who are going to do things um the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's refre- it's hard, but it's refreshing to do that, I have to say. Yeah. And also I think sometimes we, we have these sort of great ideas as, as leaders as to how things should be but then you know the reality of running the business sort of hits and yeah. and so all these great ideas that are, are sort of espoused and and you know said this is how we're going to do things go completely out the window don't they <laughs> yeah you just you just go back into that business mode and you forget mm. about the people and and you're right it's just business as usual it's like why why did we come up with this yeah so it's an interesting mm. one Mm-hmm. So, what about one of the others then? So, um, well, I won't pick. I'll let you pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one that that's really touched me um, near and dear to my heart is recognition. So, um, recognition, mm-hmm. and everybody talks about the importance of it. You know, since children, recognition is important. But I think a lot of times, if I think about the recognition programs that businesses are put in place, I think. What did I read the other day? 87% of money on recognition is on long service awards, um, right. which doesn't really make, you know, it's, yes, it's fun to celebrate, but it doesn't really make you feel appreciated. And you're not really being appreciated for a specific thing, which is going to help you understand how to be better at your job and to actually mm. feel appreciated for uh, for um, one one thing. The, the reason I raised it is because when we were writing the book, I was revising our recognition program. I was putting in a new recognition program. So it was fantastic because I'd, I'd start doing one thing and Glenn, my, my co-author, would say, Deborah, you're writing a book on being a rebel. Come on, be a bit more rebellious. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> so what did you do? What did you do differently then? Um, one of the things I did differently, so I think part of what we do is we design the programs wrong, but then we also, it goes back to management, we administer them wrong. So um, I was putting in a peer-to-peer recognition program, which I was very excited about. They're one of my favorite types of, of recognition programs. Um, and I was getting ready to turn on the switch to um, so that when an employee would nominate somebody for an award, someone in HR would sign off on it, which I've done at every single company that I've been at. And Glenn goes to me, Why? That's like his favorite question, being a rebel. Why? Why are you doing this? And I was like, um, I've done it that way all the time. Why? Um, well, because, you know, we just need to make sure that our employees are doing it the right way. And you can imagine this conversation, how many more whys he said to me. Um, and at the end of the day, he was absolutely right. There was no explanation as to why I couldn't just trust my employees to send it to the right person. Now, you can't just turn the switch off and do do nothing about it. It's also about educating your people on what does recognition look like. When do you send, um, you know, a financial? When do you send a non-financial? So there's a lot of work to it. But yeah, we turn the switch off, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. Nothing. I can tell you, nothing happened. Nobody abused it, and you know, like sent themselves recognition awards or sent them to their best friends. All the things we fear, it didn't happen. Yeah. But that's because I trust yeah. my employees. I completely trust my employees yeah. to do the right yeah. thing. So, yeah, that it's was my rebellious act. Say, yes, and interesting as you say that it's as simple as, as, as 
asking why a number of times, which of course is uh, is a, a model, isn't it? Uh, I can't remember if it's for innovation or coaching or whatever else, but uh, it's interesting, isn't it, how it's so simple in terms of just keep asking the question why <laughs> and you'll yeah. end up with a different uh, a different way of doing things in the end. You do, I, and I went to some. I went to some talk once where they did that. They you had to keep asking the question five or six times. Mm. But the, mm. the interesting thing, and this is a bit, a bit embarrassing, but I'll say it anyway, is um, <laughs> the part of the the why I didn't want to do it is I've got a global workforce, and I, I said to Glenn, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I can communicate this in you know the right way so that people understand it, and I don't want to set my employees up for failure. And when he finished laughing because my first book was on communications, you know. Um, <laughs> I should be able to communicate to my employees. Um, and also I've got great communication tools so that I can do it globally at my company. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He stopped laughing and, and we decided to do it the right way. But, it, you know, <laughs> that's why I use this example because, um, you know, I just want to show people that, you know, we're all in it together. We're all going to have to keep changing things and challenging ourselves and, and helping each other. Mm-hmm. So do you have another play that really stands out for you that you can share with us? Do you know, as I said before, I love all the plays, but I think the one I'm going to share with you actually isn't in the book. Um, And it's a book that fits under the category of the bridge of job design, where we talk about how you need to design jobs that give people that that sense of purpose and that autonomy. Um, And it's with Zappos, who is a, uh, a U.S. retailer. And the story came about when I went and did one of their tours. They do these fantastic culture tours. If you ever go to uh, through Las Vegas, you definitely need to go on a culture tour. And I was talking to the people on the on the help desk, and what they said to me was, "They." I asked them, "So tell me about your job and what you love about it." And they were talking about how they love being able to really help their employees. And the example they gave was a story of a help desk person who got a call from somebody. It was a week before her actual wedding. And she said that she needed to return her bride's, bridesmaid dresses and their shoes. And instead of just saying, okay, fine, you know, send them back. She sort of took that next level of ownership. And, and she said, you know, I don't mean to, to pry, but you know, is everything okay? Why are you returning them? And the poor woman said, well, my fiance canceled the wedding. So again, instead of just saying, okay, send them back, she, um, she said, well, here, send them back to us. Don't worry about it. And then as a surprise, <laughs> she bought her a gift certificate to a spa and sent her a lovely note saying, I think you've been through um, enough. Here's something for you. And I just love that story because you can imagine how it made the customer feel and also how many people, you know, the customer told that story to. Yeah. Um, and so what it did for the person for ownership and also, you know, yes, it cost probably $100. It was in the U.S., um, but what that brought back as far as engagement from that employee. And as I said, I'm sure lots of people heard that story and thought, oh, I'm going to use Zappos. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we get scared by giving employees ownership. But if you do it in the right way, it can make such a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And you can see the, the sort of the impact that would have from a customer service point of view. But as you say, sort of from an internal job satisfaction point of view a a sort of an opportunity to to make decisions and delight people and be supported in that would just be so motivational 
Exactly. And, you know, sometimes you think of a help desk person as, you know, it's such a routine job and how can you engage them? But I think it's a good example of showing how you can find ways to engage people and give people autonomy in so many different ways. You know, it's what we've been talking about on this call the whole time. You just need to challenge yourself and, and think differently. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, but that job just cannot have any autonomy, instead flip it and say, well, let's try to be creative and let's try to find ways to make the job more interesting and engaging. Mm-hmm. So we all need to be become rebels um, in terms of <laughs> our engagement then. So any, any final tip before we finish the show? I think you're, you're spot on. There's a rebel in all of us. I talk about how rebels come in different sizes and shapes, and I'm still learning how to be a rebel. And I always say that, you know, if someone like me who's been doing traditional HR for 30 years can can be a rebel anybody can do it and you know i've seen the difference it made it's made both at my company and me doing things differently and in talking to these rebels around the world so just go and do it as you say joe <laughs> and remind people um, how they can find out more about you and um more about the plays and and obviously the book and all that sort of thing well, we've created a website for the book, rebelplaybook.com, and you can download the first two chapters for free if, you, if you'd like to. And also, we're posting lots of new plays. So I'm continuing to interview people because, you know, engagement never stops. So by all means, um, you know, join us when it comes to that. Um, link in with me, you know, connect with me through LinkedIn or anything else and, and let me know the great things you're doing. Or if you have any questions, I, I just love chatting to people. I learn every time I talk to somebody. Lovely. And I, I love the fact that it's an ongoing process, that it's not just write a book and move on. You're actually still researching and still getting people to share their stories with you. Yeah, we were thinking about writing another book with just the plays because we've gotten such good responses to the plays. And we thought, you know, it's going to take a year to do that. Why don't we just keep putting new plays on? I mean, I just put a lovely one on the other day about John's Crazy Socks, who um who are my title is Socking It to Diversity and Inclusion. So, um, yes, the, the world moves too quickly to not just keep posting them. And they yeah. cost nothing. Just go on the website and you can just read them. Lovely. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And just let you know, next week, Joe's back with Art Barter, and they're talking about the art of servant leadership. So uh, Joe will see you back next week. <laughs>